Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hello. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, friends. <laughs> this is Pretend World's Real People. Uh, it's a podcast all about arts workers and their stories. Um, we believe that arts work is real work, and we also believe that the people um, who work in the arts are real people. And so uh, we just, every week, we talk with somebody new and different about their their profession and, and who they are. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Tyler. And we have uh, somebody I am very happy to get on the show, uh, especially around this time, because he just started something very new that seems to be just jumping off the rails. Yeah. You've seen him as part of Collider Movie Talk, TV Talk. Uh, you've seen him on the Schmoes No on YouTube. He's a stand-up comic. He's an actor. He's just a overall wonderful media personality. He just started the Good People Association a few months ago. If you have not caught on to that, please tune in on YouTube wherever you can. We have for this episode, Josh Makuga. Yay! Josh, how's Hello. it going, man? What's up, guys? How are you? <laughs> Good. Thanks for being on the show. Of course, of course. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Sunday of all days. We're not used to recording this uh, this early on a Sunday. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> I will be honest, you know, uh, weeks have gotten very busy weekend mornings. I mean, they're going to start being very busy, yeah. but, uh, but usually like, you know, I get a few hours on a week weekend morning to clear out a schedule and you know, here I am. That's awesome. That's <laughs> and you're awesome. using it to join us. You poor soul. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh, I introduced you as, you know, the uh, essentially a media personality. You've been part of Collider. You've been part of TV Talk, Movie Talk, uh, Schmoes No, uh, the VR challenge that we all know and love. <laughs> and you're now part of the Good People Association, which I've yeah. been tuning into. I've uh, been a big fan for a while. But uh, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners, you know, who who is Josh McCuga? <laughs> yeah. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously I talk a lot about it, just, you know, a kid from Pittsburgh uh, that uh, always just wanted to entertain in some way. And, um, you know, I went to college and got a degree in something that is not this. <laughs> uh, I wish that, you know, I, I would never, I'm not going to blame my parents or anything, but there was nobody at a school like Penn State of, you know, 50,000 undergraduate students that said, what would you like to do? My parents mm-hmm. like just do what your brother's doing. So, <laughs> I mean, I was like, all right. Uh, and it really and truly, and they would probably hate me saying this is, you know, I like, I majored in social life at Penn state. I didn't, I mean, I, yeah. went school, I got above a three, two, I was fine. Uh, you know, uh, but I, I really should have looked at doing something that was, you know, maybe utilizing the facilities or the resources to maybe be a news anchor or like a weatherman or some kind of sportscaster, because then that would have gotten me into it. But nobody tells you what you like to do when you get entertainment. They just are like, go do what you think you might be good at. So it took a while. Like I moved to New York right after college and I was just acting. I did like, oh man, probably like 30 or 40 student films at NYU and, uh, you know, Hunter College and New York Film Academy. I mean, there was a litany of awful things and some like pretty good things that were were, were pretty fun. Uh, 
And then I did a little uh, horror independent feature called Plasterhead, which was actually a lot of fun. That yeah. Still sure you can buy on DVD somewhere. <laughs> uh, I got interviewed. I remember like a year after it came out, I got interviewed by like a German horror magazine. And I was like, gotta be honest with you guys. I'm scared to death of horror stuff. So the fact that I was in this movie, they were like, well, what do you think of the movie? I was like, never seen it. <laughs> Never seen it. Uh, <laughs> the shooting of it was actually pretty fun, though. Um, got your like, it wasn't like a big set or anything, but it was like your first experience being on a, you know, on a feature film and working every day. And it was kind of uh, intoxicating. I love to work. You know, yeah. I mean, I think that's the difference when you get into something you love versus something that you that you do. Yeah. Uh, so then I was, you know, I was living in New York and getting antsy because every audition I went on was like, can you dance? And I was like, I can. <laughs> but I, I mean, like a frat dance floor? Sure. <laughs> oh, I'm, you need me to point my toes? Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many whiskeys do I get at this audition? Sure. <laughs> uh, can you sing? At karaoke, sure. Yeah, yeah. Not, not like Man of La Mancha. <laughs> um, so I met with uh, like a friend, uh, like a, an agent who was a friend of a friend who's now a really big deal out here. And he was like, you shouldn't be living in New York. You should really get to LA. Uh, and this was in like 2008. So I moved here and then was lucky enough to like get on stage and kind of figure out, you know, like the podcasting world. And then YouTube kind of uh, kind of started taking off and me and a buddy mm -hmm. started the sketch group and that became the casual mafia and met a lot of the nice thing like the biggest difference between LA and New York is like in New York your waiters and your waitresses are trying to be in entertainment right or you're trying mm -hmm. to be on Broadway or you're writing a one-man show about a plate right like it's very <laughs> artsy yes. right yes and I would never ever consider myself artsy like that's just not who and there's nothing obviously against those people think differently than I do right, right. And, uh so when you get to LA everybody is in entertainment the waitress the waiter the owner of the restaurant the manager of the restaurant the host like everybody is in entertainment so you meet a lot of people that are trying to go after the same things you are and a lot of people that have like a similar mindset so I was lucky enough to meet a lot of really good people which is how I met Mark Ellis and then Mark Ellis into Schmoes and then, um, you know, Schmoes into Collider and, you know, the rest is, is kind of history. And like, you know, all in that same time, it was get myself on tape, get myself on stage, put myself in the right places, always be willing to work and always make sure that every time I showed up on set that I worked and that I, you know, worked well, you know, cause a lot of, a lot of times, Anytime you hear about somebody in Hollywood, like, oh, they're a really nice guy. It's like, you hear way more like, they're an awful person, but yeah. somehow they work, yep. right? I mean, <laughs> Catherine Heigl still gets movies. Yep. So, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you don't want to ever be that person, right? So, uh, but I don't think I would ever be that person. I don't think it's really hard to be a nice, good human. I think it really takes a lot of effort to be the other side of yeah. it. <laughs> So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, and then it just became, I don't want to call it a hustle, but it is, it is a bit of a hustle, but it's also, again, like if you love what you're doing and people keep hiring you to do stuff and people keep finding you and asking you to do things, uh, you know, again, I just, I love to work. So working becomes addictive and it's yeah. a nice addiction to have. Yeah. How do you feel like, uh, 
how do you feel like work for kind of what you do with YouTube and all of your, your online stuff is different than when you were working in student films and hustling after getting acting gigs and stuff like that? Um, this sounds, uh, I mean, and I don't, a little cocky, I don't know, but when you're doing student films, you're like, I think I could write this better. But I'm not, <laughs> yep. I'm going to say that. Is this a, or, you know, like an indie film or some kind of small short film. It was a lot to get myself on tape to get a reel to show people, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, all things being equal, nobody reads a resume. They're like, right. show me the reel. Yeah. Give me two minutes. It's like, okay, I can see what this guy does. And that's that. Um, there were some there were some great ones. There was a lot of fun I had on set. And then there were some ones where I was just like, oh, my God. Uh-huh. Brutal. Um, so it became that, okay, if I'm going to do this, I think it's time I start creating my own, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and being proud of what I'm doing so that if I show this to people, they're like, who shot that? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Some girl, some guy from New- NYU or some, right. whatever, some person I really don't know. And they're like, yeah, this isn't very good. But then if they saw something I did and they're like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm like, great. Cause that was mine. At least I right. had some sort of ownership over it. And I could also and for better or worse, I always seem to, I don't want to tell people what to do, but I really want to say like, I don't think I would do it that way. Mm-hmm, can, we mm-hmm. do, can we do something else? Can we look at this from a different angle? And I don't want to, I don't go about it being like, why are hangers only? It's like, <laughs> hey, let's, let's, let's come back as a people like, okay, we wrote this and this is how it looks. But when you get on set, it's like construction. When you get onto a construction site, you know, the architect drew up the plans, but the construction workers are on site looking at how this works, looking where certain pieces of wood go, same as on a set. Cameras got to go places, people got to say things. And sometimes the written word does not translate to how a human being speaks. That's, sure. you know, it can't always be a Quentin Tarantino movie with 485 <laughs> pages of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So. What was your first experience like when you when you made something of, of your own? Do you have a, do you have a, a killer origin story for that? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so I moved to LA, because again, in New York, I didn't have, any all my friends that I I was living with buddies from college and they were all in finance uh all my other friends from either college or high school that were living in New York were in some sort of commerce whether it you know be finance or you know pharmaceuticals whatever so when I got to LA I met my buddy Paul who we started the casual mafia together and I was working with another buddy Brian who uh lives in Nashville now he runs a production company in Nashville they actually just released a documentary that got into Sundance about the Bluebird Cafe really talented guy oh wow so we got together with a couple other comedian friends of mine and we got together and like, you know, we did the casual, we were starting the casual mafia. And my first thing was the douchebag anthem. That was like, that was my, my <laughs> pet project. That was what I really, really wanted because I had been living in LA for about a year and I was working at a high-end bar and restaurant. And this was at like the height of douchebaggery, right? I mean, you had... <laughs> Brody Jenner's and you had, you know, mm-hmm. the the Ed Hardy stuff and you had guys in bejeweled pants everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you had like the side words chucker hat and everybody was just trying to be the, the king. The upside down visor. Oh, that yeah. was the it killer. Was, it was yeah. all of it. it yeah. All of it. And so I remember working at this bar and being like, God, this is exhausting that these guys, these guys are just everywhere. Right. So I write this song. 
And my buddy Brian, I just wrote the lyrics. My buddy Brian is an actual musician. And he's like, this is, this is pretty funny. So we sat down <laughs> in his old apartment. Uh, he had a two bedroom. He was living with his wife and he had this little dog, this little, um, it was like a, maybe it was a Pomeranian or something like that. It looked like a fox. It looked like Star Fox. I called oh, it shit. Star Fox. That's <laughs> amazing. So I'm sitting there petting this little dog and we're, and we're writing the douchebag hands when he turns around. Like, you look like such a douchebag right now. <laughs> your dog. It's your dog. So we write the douchebag anthem and I, and I got to give this one to Paul is Paul didn't like the, the idea of the douchebag anthem. He's like, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. So we wrote the song and I was like, we're going to give him this song. And I promise you that he, he will say yes when he hears the song. So we wrote this song and he was like, all right, I get it now. I yeah. see. This is silly. We had a full weekend of like, we did these sketch weekends, like maybe once a month for about five or six months in a row where we'd shoot, you know, five, six, seven sketches in a weekend that, I mean, we would go balls to the wall from like Friday night at eight to Sunday night at midnight, all weekend Jeez. long, just like dawn wow. till dusk every day. And we'd shoot these sketches and we shot the douchebag anthem the first weekend. And Brian went into the editing bay on, on like the Monday morning. And by Monday afternoon, he had like a rough cut of the douchebag oh, anthem. <laughs> and we all went insane. Like we're like, this, this is the coolest thing ever. We made a video. This is insane. And we released it like a week later and it got featured on like all kinds of different blogs and all this kind of stuff. And I think like Perez Hilton may have retweeted it or something. And, <laughs> We got featured on a couple different radio stations that played it. And I thought to myself, I was like, all right, this is what this is what a, a modicum of success feels like. Even if right. we didn't any money, even if I spent all money out of pocket, we didn't it, it was it was this just okay, people like what we're doing. And then that was kind of like the impetus for, you know, always, you know, I mean, you got to believe in yourself. If you're not gonna believe in the product, why do it? Um, but if you can, if somebody, if just somebody else that isn't your family and friends gives you a thumbs up on it, um, you get, uh, you know, you get a nice feeling in your stomach. And then the, on the flip side, when you get hate online, it feels great. It yeah. really does. Cause you're like, <laughs> you know, this is, this is what it's like. Cause not yeah. everybody, not everybody loves everybody. Right. There's, there's somebody out there that hates everybody. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's the beauty always, of social media. Yeah, there's always that one <laughs> thumbs down on the yeah. YouTube. And you're like, who are you people? <laughs> so, they just don't want other people to be happy. They actually don't even give a give a fuck about you. They just don't want you to have all of the success. Yep. yep. And it's an 11 year old and his parents. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, how do you feel like, how do you come up with new material so regularly? And especially now with Good People Association and stuff like I feel like there's that challenge of, especially when you're doing mostly online uh, entertainment, you're, you really got to come up with like new stuff all the time. How do you do that? Yeah, my brain's a weird place. Yeah. <laughs> it's, got, it's got a lot going on up there. Yeah. Uh, you know, for better, for worse, it's, I definitely, I think outside the box, but I also think, you know, my dad jokery uh, is, is, sometimes welcome sometimes mm -hmm. they're like oh, you know here it goes but, <laughs> but i think it's i think it's the energy i think it's every day going in um hoping that there's one new person that's watching right mm -hmm, maybe there's mm -hmm. somebody that, that has never watched you and mm -hmm. to never go through the motions because if you're just going through the motions you know why do it you're, you're there to entertain i think i always look at it in a sense of 
you know, I, I come from a blue collar background. I come from a hardworking family, a family of hardworking people. They went in every day, uh, you know, doing their job. And I think it's my job every day to come in with a fresh perspective, a fresh outlook, a fresh way of going about it. You know, I think the Good People Association so far has been really nice. Like every morning I've been able to go in and do my thing. Um, whereas and nothing against, you know, Collider Live or anything, I really enjoyed doing everything on Collider Live. I've always enjoyed, you know, talking into microphones. I think that when nobody is telling you what to do, you have the free reign creatively to really go about yeah. doing what you want to do and testing different things. And some things, sometimes things don't work. I mean, oftentimes they don't work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I try a lot of stuff by Amanda and she's like, eh, eh. <laughs> put that one away. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I'll be honest with you. I do, I do do a lot of writing, but I don't do a lot of joke writing. I think mm -hmm. I, there's, um, I, I work off premises. I work off thoughts and then kind of just like meander my way through, uh, you know, conversation or talking to myself through my brain and then maybe rewatching some things being like, I like that as far as like stage work goes that, right. uh, as far as topics that I maybe want to talk about, I always think that I've always been more, way more on the positive side of going about things than I have the negative. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I still don't like La La Land, but I, uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm not. I'm not going to dwell on it. Um, so if I can find, if I can find the positive in the things and then make some jokes about it, I absolutely will. I think you know my stand up, uh, which dearly miss being on stage. Um, when I when I was doing stand up, I was doing a lot of written premises and I would go into a set, let's just say I had like 20 or 30 minutes to do. I would go into a set with, I knew about 15 minutes of material that I had. Mm -hmm. And then knowing 15 minutes of that would also be just crowd interaction because mm -hmm. I, I always looked at it as like, hey, I'm not there to just speak at you. I wanna speak with you. I want mm -hmm. people to get in their car after a standup show and be like, man, wasn't that awesome when Josh came and talked to me in the crowd? Like that's the stuff that I, that I thrive on, right? Yeah. I, think I, I thrive on other people's energy. I don't know how people do an hour of a show by themselves. Like, I don't know how people do alone podcasts. I, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I need somebody to bounce something <laughs> off of. You know? yep. it's, like play, it's like Forrest Gump just playing that ping pong with himself. So, yeah, I mean, I think that material comes, uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of comedians try and force material in there when it doesn't work. And for me, it's always just been like, hey, if it sort of makes me giggle, maybe it'll sort of make you giggle. And then I can kind of just build off that giggle and giggles become laughs and laughs become guffaws. And then before you know it, you have something. So, yeah. right. So is that you saying that you have a seven level collection of diaries hidden away in an office somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> I will say I'm not a, a pen and pencil writer. I text myself stuff all the time. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's so smart. I have a text thread with myself that is. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'll read back. I'm like, nah, that's not yeah. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Right. When you die, that's just what's going to be read at your oh, for a eulogy. Yep. Yeah. When I die, I want my text thread between myself, Mark Ellis, and Ken Knapsack to be read. At oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and I want all the people in the crowd that we are referencing on that thread to be there. Because yes, that's absolutely. <laughs> then I are, are you, you excited then to be a dad and have a bunch of dad new dad material? <laughs> The poor baby is gonna get thrown under the bus so quick. <laughs> Your audio listeners, I nodded. 
Where your audio listeners. I um yeah, no, I you know born born to be a dad. As much yeah. as I fought it forever, I'm not gonna have kids, I'm not gonna get married. I think, you know, in life, I mean I, Amanda and I always say it is in if we had met when I was in my 20s, we would not be married. Right. <laughs> um, she met me, we met each other at the right time, I think, in our lives. And then, you know, you meet the right woman and then you know, the natural transition is to want to be a parent. I mean, I'm an amazing uncle. I love my nieces and nephews. And I can't wait to have that Reggie moment in Bad Boys 2. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, I'm going to, I am going to embarrass my daughter at every single turn. I'm yep. gonna, you know, just so, listen, I'm, I want to be, I want to be the dad that like comes into school and be like, oh man, your dad's so cool. And she's like, oh, my dad's not cool. He's just like, <laughs> Host the talent show. Do, just Absolutely. do silly stuff, you know? I love um, it. We went to pick up, my little niece is now 11. And she was coming out of school and she tries to be like, too cool for school. You know oh, what I mean? No. And she was coming out and I was like, oh my God, Olivia, I'm a cool girl. God, she <laughs> just, like, buried her head and she's like, oh, I'm gonna be so yeah any any chance i get for dad jokes dad humor embarrassing stuff of that nature yeah i'm very much looking forward to that i love it i love it how are you uh trying to navigate your you know your your day job once once your kiddo comes up right have you tried to figure out a way of managing that so you can still stay on top of the good people association are you gonna take some time off i mean we started kind of talking about well i'm gonna have to take a few weeks off obviously um and then come back and you know i mean i think it there is a a balancing act of parenting and and content and also uh, delegation. I think is probably the the easiest way to go about it. Is doing the shows that I know that I need to be a part of, and then delegating to other shows, or maybe I don't necessarily need to be a part of. And I think that's where bringing up some new younger talent, you know, um, that want and are great behind the mic, and that are are passionate and have a good energy and fit into the mold. I think that's the, the hardest part is finding those people is, you know, I think there is a, there, when you audition people, like I've been the, been the part of, I don't know, maybe four or five audition processes for people, whether it was for the casual mafia, whether it was for film HQ back in the day on, on the short-lived Comic-Con HQ or a couple of different things for, for Collider is that you put an audition notification out there and it goes to a couple different sites and you will probably get 600 submissions mm-hmm. right totally. and maybe out of those 600 50 are right for the part look wise or just resume wise and you reach out to those 50 and maybe 30 respond which is insane to me that people they come out here don't even respond or don't want to work right and out of those 30 maybe 20 come in prepared and maybe 10 are good enough. So, mm-hmm. you, and it's not, it's nothing against, but there's a lot of people that come out here and just be like, so in high school, I did a play. <laughs> and my mom said that I was good. <laughs> Guess what? I'm coming to LA and I'm going to be Tom Cruise. No, yeah. it takes some effing work. Yeah. you got to pound the pavement. you got to work. It's not like, when I was saying this, when I was going to do this, uh, you know, my dad said to me, he's like, you know, you're not just getting into this 
willy-nilly like this is going to take a lot of effort you're starting at zero i'm not bruce willis that i can tell my agent hey sign my son and then all of a sudden you're in a movie right, right? so and that unfortunately is like a huge part of the business but that's a huge part of every business hell if i wanted to go sell cars in pittsburgh i would have a leg up on the competition i would that's <laughs> right what it is and if i wanted to be a teacher in pittsburgh i would have a leg up on the competition it just so happens that in hollywood breaking into entertainment is the hardest job around. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not like being an NFL quarterback, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you do need a lot of help. And I think yeah. that there's a lot of people that have helped me along the way. And I've never not been just very, very appreciative of their help, but also make sure that when they do help me, that I come through. That they're, if they're vouching for me, I'm not just going to show up on set and be like, hold my fucking dog. Right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not allowed to swear. I, yeah, you are. It's oh, this worse. is explicit. Yeah. It's an explicit show. So um, I, you know, what my dad was like, you, you know, you're going to have to work hard. And I've always looked at it that way as if I'm not. And I also had advice when I was in college. I had this, uh, this um, college professor. Because when I was in my senior year and then I did a, another semester. No big deal. Um, <laughs> I, just, I needed that one more victory. I didn't yeah, need one. It's yeah, an extra credit little, semester. Yeah, Everyone does that, right? right? My, my major need, had extra, more credits than other majors. Um, so I took this theater class because at Penn State, in order to get into theater classes, you have to, it's a conservatory, so you have to audition. Mm -hmm. But there are some classes that you don't need to be in the um, conservatory to get into. And so I took like a few acting classes. I took this theater class that was taught by this guy by the name of Charles Dumas. And Charles Dumas played an FBI agent in Die Hard with a Vengeance, which mm -hmm. is like, come on. I mean, that's that's Josh mm -hmm. McCougaville. Yep. So <laughs> um, he became like a buddy and I told him what I wanted to do. And he's like, let's go to lunch. So he took me to lunch and he gave me like three really good pieces of advice. He said, one, work hard. You're, nobody's you have to get in front of people like you you can't just expect somebody to find you like you're Kevin Bacon or Marilyn Monroe right that you have to go out there and work Two, find a nice woman to support you only took 13 years that we've yeah. got right? <laughs> and three he said if you're not booking something at least once a year that is propelling you forward in your career get out mm -hmm. because clearly you're you're just not made for it right like, because there are a ton of actors and actresses and professionals that say they like they work in entertainment. I'm an actor and actress and haven't booked anything in 10 years mm -hmm. and and don't see it. Right. So that's always been in the back of my mind. If I don't book something that is propelling me forward, that is putting me in the in front of the right people or doing the right things, then I need to get out. Um, so I feel like I've done that every year in my career or at least something like that. Um, so I think it was the fact that. Yeah, I mean, entertainment is really, really tough. But if you if you go about it like a business, if you go mm -hmm. about doing it, yeah, it's entertainment. You still have to entertain. You still have to be mm -hmm. good at your job. Yeah. But you, still have to, you still have to work. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that fans don't see, that people don't see. I mean, you go, you prepare for shows every day. I mean, yep. I come home from work and I'm still working on the shows for the next day. And yep. after the show wraps, I'm I mean, the, the, the process of booking guests, of booking people, I mean, you guys get it. Reaching yep. out to people and booking guests is difficult, is difficult. Oh, it's just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was just, I've 
been saying like Tyler's been killing it, just kind of doing shooting out hundreds of emails, and I'm like, what what's happening? This is right. this is what yeah. you do because I'm not yeah. acting and I'm not yeah. serving beer, so yeah, <laughs> I might as well do something. <laughs> right? Yeah, man. And I I'll be honest with you, there are there are certain days and nights that if I could, I would just if I could make a living bartending, and you're like, I would, mm-hmm. I would. Yeah. There, there yeah. are some days. Which is like, man, this is exhausting. I could just go to the bar, have a martini myself, and then <laughs> make enough to live. Uh, but again, it's you know, it's that's life. And yeah, if you were extremely happy with everything you did every day, you're you would literally be a you'd be a maniac. I don't. Yeah. You have to. There's got to be some struggle to get to the happiness. There just I agree. Is, you know. Yeah. Is is there yeah. any semblance of Joe Pantoliano from Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two when you're auditioning somebody to come onto the show? Are you the captain sitting behind yeah. the desk? Oh yeah. Okay, perfect. Screaming <laughs> at them. Yeah. What does this say? Tactical. Tactical. It's the best. He's the best character. The fact that I mean, we we were in bed last night and it was about ten o'clock and a man we we're scrolling through and a man's like, "Oh, bad boys for life." And I was like, "Yes." As soon as we turn it on, she's like, "I can't believe they killed him." I was like, I, "It's the dumbest." It's the dumbest move in the history of movies because they knew oh, yeah. this one was going to be a success. They knew it. And they killed the the greatest police captain in the history of movies. Mm-hmm. They killed him. So dumb. I like, I love the new woman. She's great, but there's nobody like Joey Pants in those movies. No. That nope. scene in Bad Boys 2, when they go to his house and Martin <laughs> Lawrence is on ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe Bandaglione is in that scene. I mean, yeah. he, he is great. Marcus, stop that. <laughs> great. Great. He's got a nice fish, Kevin. He's got big fucking eyes, but a nice fucking fish. Nice fucking fish. Big fucking, I mean, it's great. It's great. All of it. Oh my God. Can you uh, maybe give a little detail on, especially um, I'd love to hear more about Good People Association because it is so new. Like what the, what your day is when you go in to like get book people, get stuff ready, do a show, like what is that? Yeah, well, starting from the beginning, I mean, you know, Eric Bass from from Shinedown um, had started as a friend of Mark Riley's because they were working on something and they started talking about this. And then, um, you know, I did Eating History and I was kind of waiting around to hear about a season two and then heard that we weren't getting a season two, at least for now. Who knows, we might, we're kind of working on a possible digital idea with it, but, and then, so I was looking for something and obviously we're in the middle of the pandemic. So I'm there, it's work is few and far between. So I'm kind of doing like some live streams on my YouTube channel, but I'm not really finding much inspiration behind it. Um, Cause that happens. And then me and a buddy wrote a pilot um, that is kind of based loosely on some of my bartending stories. Um, and then we took that for a while and we got it to a producer who now owns it, which is cool. Uh, but she's now working on a show for Netflix or Disney Plus or something. So that's kind of just in the in the wheelworks. And so we started talking about doing this. And then I may have overstepped and said, you know, I can build out a studio. And I went to Home Depot and Lowe's and bought all this lumber and I have it in the in the studio. And I'm like, Ken, I, I may have, yeah, let's just see what we can do. So start setting it up, you know, let's see. But um got the studio built and everything. And like, I, I remember coming home after we had laid the carpet, like that was the final step. 
before we started putting tech and cameras and everything in there and texting me like, ha ha, you built a studio. It's like, I, I did. I, I had no idea this was possible, but I did. So yes. Yeah, so, but when we were discussing as to what this would look like, I said, I just don't want to do another collider. I don't want to do an SCN. I don't want to do Nerdist or IGN. I just don't want it to all be entertainment based stuff because I was, mm-hmm. I was exhausted in the daily grind of kind of saying a lot of the same stuff about mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. and TV. And I'm, I do, I really truly honestly miss TV talk every single day mm-hmm. because that was the show. I really wish that if we had to add any kind of leadership at Collider in the sense of like letting some things breathe and letting and, and paying people what they deserved, that Sinead, David Griffin and I would have made that show into really something special. And it could have gone on to, you know, a reels or some kind of TV network that maybe would have put us at night. And because there's so much TV out there mm-hmm. that there was nobody helping you navigate the landscape mm-hmm. besides some person on social media to be like, hey, Trish really liked Bridgerton. watch <laughs> <laughs> Bridgerton? Let's watch that. And then before you know it, I'm on the couch. Amanda's loving Bridgerton. And I'm like, this is legitimately just like Gossip Girl with, yeah. uh, with better outfits. <laughs> but you need you need some, you need a female's perspective, you need a male's perspective, and then you need David Griffin's perspective. <laughs> he is the perfect, he is so in touch with his feminine side, and he is so in touch with his masculine side. He is the perfect voice, right? And we had that amazing uh chemistry on that yeah. show and so it it, it really it, it hurts my feelings because i wanted david griffin to get paid i wanted Sinead to get paid and unfortunately Clyde didn't have the budget and unfortunately that show was not given the proper amount of space to breathe and then canceled abruptly because then after we lost david griffin and nothing against uh, emma fife or any of the other people that i brought on that show it just was not the original chemistry and it's it's really hard to find that because mm-hmm. that does not come often it does it really does not um and so and that's i think why you know guys like mark ellis and myself and ken knapsack mark riley that we've all been able to work together for so long because the chemistry has always kind of been there, especially like Ken, myself and Mark, there's not a lot of people that can go on stage in front of four or 500 people and, and be able to entertain for an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Just the four of us kind of taking questions and making fun of each other. There's not a lot of people that you can spend time in a car with for eight to 10 hours and still have a good time and want to get back in the car two days later and drive back eight to 10 hours, right? Right. it, It doesn't happen often in life. And so when you find those friends and especially in like a working environment, you hold on for dear life. So when, when Eric started talking to us about doing this, we all sat around and, and I've been in the sense of like, God, this climate is so brutal. Sometimes Mm -hmm. nobody seems like they like one another. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the common denominator in a lot of it is Facebook, but that's a political discussion. And I'm not going (laughs) to But I honestly think there are so many people that have been polluted by rhetoric. And I think that a lot of us really do get along, mm-hmm. but we never admit to it, mm-hmm. right? 
We're not having conversations anymore. We're just arguing. And I'm guilty of it. I will be the first one to tell you. I yelled with my dad about certain things, but I, I honestly think that he's being polluted by a ton of other stuff. It would be awesome if we just got information and facts and we looked at it like facts. And then we talked about it. Let's talk about it, right? So I wanted to go about the channel and be like, hey, listen, let's just, let's have fun. Let's focus all of our content in trying to, again, find the good, right? Let's let's do things that make us happy at the end of the day. I don't want to do, I just don't want to do a two hour show every morning and then walk away and be like, that wasn't, I, I couldn't care less. Like just, I, I don't, I want people to tune in every day to see that I'm having fun. And then in turn, they have fun, right? So all, yeah, so do we want to talk about Star Wars? Sure, I think we'd be silly if we didn't. That's leaving an audience off the table, but let's go about it in a fandom way. Let's let's talk about it instead of being upset about The Last Jedi. Why don't you talk about what's good about it? Or what's, I mean, people like, oh, some of those Mandalorian episodes weren't good. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's almost, what? He has lasers, what? So it it is... It was it was a it was a direct. We we have to do this because if not, we're just going to sign up for more toxicity, and so I think it was. I mean, because honestly and truly, I think that what Christian has done with the Schmodown is amazing. He's built this community of maniacs, and that's great. But I think that a lot of times over there, um, it can get very negative and it can get very abusive i think as far as a lot of people go and whereas the wild bears were just out to have a good time obviously i mean it was, it's movie trivia but it's entertainment at the end of the day and i think same thing with uh, like with josh Brady and good people good movies and all this kind of stuff was let's just roll cameras and have a good time find like i said like when you're on stage find what is working build off what's working don't do the some of the stuff that isn't working find your footing and then hopefully people you know migrate to it and see the positivity. And if we can, you know, unify some people, if we can put some smiles on some faces, if we can make some people happy every day, then amazing. Let's, let's do that. I, I am under the, I mean, we're three weeks in and I'm very happy with all that we've accomplished so far. And I just think that, you know, keep building on doing the right stuff. I had this eighth grade German teacher that had this thing in our classroom above the door every day and said, just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And that's yeah. an age old adage. And I know she's not the first person to effing say that, but it always kind of stuck in my brain of like, okay, it's the, the right thing is to buy an extra piece of pizza and give it to the guy that's struggling, right? It, the right thing to do is to try and put a smile on people's faces. The right thing to do is, you know, don't argue, listen, and discuss. I know there's a lot of people's minds that we can't change out there. I know there are. I mean, there's a guy named QAnon out there that is doing. <laughs> I don't know yeah. who he is, what he's <laughs> yeah. doing, but clearly he's creating a cult of maniacs. Yeah. So maybe there's a lot of people out there, those minds I can't change. But of the minds that are maybe, hey, I want to listen to some people. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe those are the people that, that we can change. And maybe those are the people that we can spread a little positivity to. And again, at the end of the day, it's just a fun morning show. So if you want to look at it like that, great. Just have fun with me. That's all. I love it. I mean, yeah. and I think just being positive in and of itself helps people be positive. Even if you don't change minds, it may mean that they say one less negative thing that day or, and like, that's great. So sure. yeah, I love who, that. Who inspires you to, to approach entertainment in this way? Do you have a direct influence or it's just an amalgamation of different people you've learned from throughout your life? 
I, I want to say Will Smith and Bad Boys too. No. <laughs> <laughs> That is the um, correct answer. Yes. That is correct. You are correct. <laughs> um, you know, I my uh, I, I was very lucky with who my parents are. My mom and dad are very, very positive, uh, loving people. And as much trouble as I gave them in high school with throwing parties if they left the house for ten minutes, uh, they they still love me at the end of the day. Very positive. My dad is my dad and I are very, very similar, right? Love a good dad joke. Love trying to make people laugh. Always looking to have a good time. I think. He inspired me to do that. I think that, um, you know, I was, I'm, I don't know, in entertainment, I don't know if necessarily if I, in, if I have like an inspiration. I mean, obviously anything that Alex Trebek did, he just, he was in your house 30 minutes a night, right? But he was mm -hmm. always, always looked like he was, he cared about the people that he was talking to yeah. and that he was having, that he was doing his job and doing it right. Um, I've all, I was always just, my dad used to play old Johnny Carson stuff and it always looked like he was having such a good time back there. Uh, Jimmy Fallon has always kind of been an amazing dude to look up to. I've loved, um, man, like there, Samantha B on TBS, John Oliver recently. Yes. And, and I know that those are sometimes political shows, but anybody that really, really looks like they're having a good time creating what they're doing right? Somebody that maybe that joke doesn't work, but they have so much faith in that one joke that they are going to lean on that until you laugh. It's sort of like a family guy situation, right? Is <laughs> Listen, that time, yeah, exactly. Correct. He kept yeah. doing that. You were like, oh, is this going to, oh, no. okay. This is pretty, okay. okay. okay nice. Oh, he's going to, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Got right? Like the chicken fight. Thing yeah. yeah. But you're like, yeah. I'm watching. Keep going. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's, it's a matter of, yeah, you know, I, I, I learned from my dad and my, my grandma, my dad's mom, who was, she was a singer in World War II. And then she sang all around Pittsburgh. Uh, she was always the sweet, I mean, the sweetest human being. She was a total talent. Everybody loved her everywhere she went. Everybody knew who she was. At her height, she may have been like five feet tall, like 4'11", maybe. And she was just this little ball of energy. She had eight children and all of them love each other. They're all positive. They're all hilarious. Um, I think I told the story a few weeks ago that I had my uncle open for me in Pittsburgh one time because he's the king of the dad jokes. And he's a bartender in Pittsburgh. And he killed, he crushed. It was awesome. That's amazing. And so I come from like a long family of just goofballs. And, you know, I think... Uh, my buddy Andrew Santino is a very, very successful comic right now. Oh, he's amazing. Crushing it. Yeah, he's on uh, Little Dicky, and he's just great, right? Or Dave. Dave's, Dave's the name of the show. But he's a fantastic, he's a good buddy of mine. We play golf together all the time. He one time said to me, he's like, do you have to be so nice? And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I have a choice. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not made, I'm not made to be, maybe if I'm in the car and somebody does something stupid, like not use a turn signal and almost kill somebody, then I might get a little upset. But other than that, like, no, I'm just, I'm just a person out there to try and make you smile. I, I, Amanda always, do you have to talk to them? Do you have to talk to everybody? Well, what is, they're not talking to anybody. Clearly that woman behind the counter at Starbucks wants to have a conversation. She's like, I don't think she does. <laughs> so yeah. I love it. I can picture now. So um, do you like cold brew or are you more of a hot coffee person? <laughs> 
ask you a question. I mean, <laughs> this, this chai latte I'm having right now. Do a lot of guys order that one? Not the only one because it tastes like Christmas, even in March. Even, or... Yep. Can you write delightful. black on there? Just I want to cover my bases. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh, so what are you hoping uh good people association kind of brings about? You know, are you seeing, do you have a, a vision for it, you know, in a year's time or whatever? Yeah, I think um, you know, I think I want it to become a, a destination for people that want to laugh, want to have mm-hmm. a good time. Um, I think we have a show for everybody. I would love to get the positivity report <clears throat> simulcast on TV somewhere. So if I'm, you know, recording it from the studio and we're online, you know, maybe later in the day we're on a, a TV channel somewhere or we get picked up by a station and then, you know, it gets to a bigger audience or it's on Peacock or some kind of streaming network that, you know, needs a morning show or wants a morning show or something like that. Uh, I think there is a place in the in the ether for a show like that, for some kind of like goofball thing, for a long form, funny interview show that's just a natural conversation. Uh, I want, I really want Mark Riley and Ken Knapsack to be the, like at every Star Wars premiere somewhere, like Star Wars just hires them as Star Wars. Like this is, <laughs> when you think Star Wars, you think of these two maniacs that are so passionate, so friendly about it and just yes. have a really good time talking about Star Wars, but have such an unbelievable knowledge to, to the Star Wars fandom that, yeah, that people are like, what would Ken think about this? That's what I really want Ken and Mark mm-hmm. to have that. Um, and I would love for Josh Brady to become a game show somewhere that somebody sponsors and picks up and that every mm-hmm. Friday or maybe daily because it's a wild ride. It's not your typical game show. Yes, there's trivia to it, but there's some Josh McCuga to it. And then, you know, maybe get a bigger studio to add some elements to it to make it, you know, a more of a variety trivia show than anything else. Yeah. Right. yeah. All right. I can see awesome. it happening. You said you're you're only a couple of weeks in, right? I mean, as far as yeah, and it seems like um, I mean, I've been listening to it closing up. You know, I, I work at a gym part time now, so I'm cleaning up dumbbells and moving stuff around. I'm like, you know, I need to put in it. It does lighten my spirits so much more. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm scrubbing toilets. But you know what? It's okay because <laughs> I got Josh in my ear. It's perfect. That's what I'm going for. That's yeah. yeah. Thank what you. do you what do you do? Um, I mean, obviously you're you're expecting your first kiddo, but what are you doing in your um, I'm sure very limited free time that kind of keeps you afloat, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm lucky that I married a uh an amazing woman who we get along together, and if even if we're not saying anything to one another. Uh, we we get along extremely well. I'm not saying that like we sit in silence every day and just like stare at <laughs> <laughs> really. No, but I mean, I think there, that you have to find somebody that um, in, in your life that you can embrace the silence with sometimes. Just watch your shows, do your thing, but know that one another love each other and mm-hmm. that's what matters. Uh, I play a lot of golf. That's my only hobby. Um, a dream job would be to work on Golf Channel or to... Uh, have a Josh like golf show that is not oh, like anything on golf goodness. channel. Yeah. Um, Horror VR golf. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Look at his swing. You see that pattern? Get to the pattern. He looks a little frantic. Um, I was working on developing a, a like a golf horror game show. Which really? Is, no, it's like a, a, a video game kind of. Okay. Thing. 
but I am also working on a, a golf fish game show. I, my brain kind of goes in a million different directions. So that's why I have to text myself because I might forget. Um, but uh, yeah, play a lot of golf, which obviously will be limited when I have a daughter. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm the cook in the house. So I enjoy cooking for my wife. I think in a pandemic, it's really hard. You kind of find what you really enjoy doing and you miss the things that you do. I mean, I'm a very social person. So mm -hmm. I always loved going to a bar or restaurant, taking my wife out or hanging with friends, doing that kind of stuff because that's that. And I do, Ken and I were talking about the other day. I honestly miss going to the airport. I miss <laughs> what? Yeah. I love, oh my God. I love airports and I love airplanes. I really, really okay. do. That's fair. Um, last year for eating history, I mean, I was basically on the road for five and a half months. I was living in New York for a lot of it, but then on the road for a lot of it. And traveling does get a little, I mean, it does get exhausting at points, but at the same time, I really do know that I'm lucky to be traveling. And so you kind of got to embrace it. I mean, you know, find the good in this situation. Yeah. Do I, do I love being on a plane stuffed next to somebody else? That's nah, not my like ideal situation, but you got a little screen right there. You can watch whatever you want. I mean, it's not like it's 1970 and you have to, you, the only entertainment you have is smoking cigarettes. <laughs> like, they've literally made flying the most comfortable situation possible for yeah. everybody. It's not just first class anymore. You can watch whatever you want. There's a million movies on there. Everything is streaming. There's wireless on a plane. I mean, if you would have told my dad that as he's traveling in the 80s, selling cars around the Midwest, that, hey, dad, in the year 2010, you can stream movies on a plane. And in 2020, you can use the internet. He's like, what the? I, I just had to sit in the Buffalo airport and watch the Miracle on Ice on tape delay six hours later. You're telling me you can watch <laughs> it on a screen this big? I'm like, yeah, that's great. <sighs> You know, so I do, I do miss, I, cause we love to travel. The wife and I do really enjoy it's just, you know, in this, in the pandemic and, and everything go, even going out to dinner, isn't the most comfortable experience, mm -mm. No. right? Even sitting outside, you're like, I don't like this, right? <laughs> because everybody like around, like, don't, don't move, just sit there and we will come to you in our hazmat gear, yep. in the hockey helmet and <laughs> goggles and a face mask like what do you want on your burger <laughs> could have just got i could have just we could have ordered the burger and brought it home and watched tv in our house where is it and, and it goes back to my thought with the starbucks thing is you know i became on a first name basis at most bars and restaurants around us because we go to the same ones pretty often because when we find something we like we go to those places because I always wanted to be a regular bar. When I was a kid, again, my mom, I told this thing a billion times. My mom asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, Alex Trebek or a regular at a bar? And I said, <laughs> two just opposite spectrum thing. So Alex Trebek was definitely a regular at a bar somewhere. So. Yeah. The guy owned a winery at one point. That's a Robles. Okay. The guy loved his sauce. It's amazing. So. You know, I do, I do, I just really miss that the social aspect of, of hanging with friends and being with friends comfortably because you can still hang with friends, but like being in a mask and being six feet apart, and like, mm -hmm. it's tough. It's just, it's not, it's not the best. Yeah. Yeah. And we watched The Bachelor and Bachelorette when it's one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I turned it into like a fantasy league. So we, we draft girls or guys That's and we, we have a point system as to like how they earn points and stuff. And so. It's become a, a fun little rivalry. You that gotta turn everything into a competition. Fun. I gotta turn everything into yeah. a competition. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Whether it be friendly or not. Yeah. Oh. It uh I 
I think it's amazing what you're doing, especially right now when there's so much, like you said, negativity in the world, trying to spread some sort of positivity. And in, <laughs> in that sense, I do want to ask like, what, what have you experienced in, you know, your part of the industry? Cause we've talked to people in, you know, my part and the actor's part in the crew part and, um, you know, uh, writing pre-production, post-production. Is there a story that, you know, you experienced that was just, it was bad. It rubbed you the wrong way, but you held on to it because it, you know, told you, you know what, I, I need to treat people better than that person treated me. Do you have any of those stories that you could, you could share? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a few. Names uh, redacted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll even say the name straight up. I mean, I think that um, there are, yeah, it's like, you kind of want to grab them and be like, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, why do you do this? What is the situation? So I was working when I first moved, you know, when I was living in New York, the way I sort of made money sometimes, I was bartending and waiting tables and posing nude at art schools and, uh, you know, anything. But I also did a lot of extra work. I did background work. Right. And so I uh, was on set for We Own the Night. That was like my first extra oh. gig, my first background right. gig. And Joaquin Phoenix was there and um, he is, you know, extremely method when there was this this huge crowd scene at this club. And so I was wearing this members only jacket and the director saw it and was like, put him up front. I like that members only, which was pretty cool. And so I'm standing and one of the actors that was on the, on like the main actors in the movie who played, I don't know this guy's name, but you would recognize his face, not like a huge time actor he might be like a theater actor anyway he played like Joaquin's buddy Joaquin Phoenix is coming down these stairs and the the actor says to me like oh this fucking guy just about Joaquin Phoenix and I hear him I look at him he's like right and so he comes walking down there's supposed to be like this fight that breaks out whatever and somebody like bumps into Joaquin Phoenix and Joaquin Phoenix yells cut and looks at the dude that he bumped into and he's like know your place and he walked back up the stairs and they reshot the scene and it, it took it took an hour and a half of all of us standing there for lighting and camera just to set this one scene up and he came in and yelled cut after like 30 seconds of cameras rolling all this kind of stuff so the day goes on and i'm like oh my god whatever so apparently during that day we were all delayed. We were sitting in this theater up in the Bronx and it was, it was miserable. And this was like, guys, this was three years before iPhones. So there is nothing to do. I, <laughs> I mean, I didn't bring a book. I should have brought a book. It was like my first extra job. I don't know what I'm supposed I figured like you go on set and all of a sudden they're like, welcome to movies. <laughs> you, you didn't, you didn't have that. So apparently midway through the day, Joaquin Phoenix was really upset because somebody called him by his real name because he, oh, he's so method that you can only call him by his character's name. And he heard it on the microphone, like over the radio, like uh, somebody bring Joaquin to set. And he was like, who was that? And he, and they had this huge blowout. And they, I think they had to like fire a crew member because they called him by the wrong name. Like it's a scene, that movie about Joaquin Phoenix and all that kind of stuff uh, that my firsthand experience was like, okay, this is my first time on set with an A-list effing actor in front of 150 200 people and this is how you act this is not how i ever 
mm-hmm. want to be. And this is how I not, I don't want to make other actors or other people around me feel uncomfortable to the yeah. sense, to the sense of like, look at this asshole. Like, I don't ever want that to be said about me when I come on set. And that's like, un- unfortunately, you hear that way more about certain people. And I, I mean, I could tell you like from friends, I can tell you from other people and I can tell you firsthand A-list, B-list people, certain comedians. I mean, I've been bumped by more A-list comedians that are, th- th- are the worst human beings around. Not, and maybe they're nice to other people, but they are not nice to their other comics and they are just not good dudes. Uh, and I think you could probably, if you've thought about it in your head, you'd be like, that that makes sense that mm-hmm. I can totally see that. Yeah. And it's a shame that there are so many people out there that because they've gotten to the star status that there are so many producers and directors know that they can't get certain things made unless they put those people in the thing because there's still a million other people out there. They're like, you know who I love? I love Dane Cook. He's the best. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, you know, you watch that, you watch, um, that the documentary they did about the comedy store that came out on Showtime. Oh, totally, yeah. Sure, they're interviewing Cat Williams and they're interviewing uh, the guy from Undercover Brother, I think, or maybe it was just Cat Williams. And the director's like, why would you do that? And he's like, why? Cause I can. And you're like, that's not, mm-hmm. there's other comics that deserve time. There's other people, you're already Cat Williams. I When I worked at the bar, guys, let me tell you, John Legend may be America's sweetheart right now, but don't ever wait tables with him and don't ever be his bartender. Say that anywhere, anytime. I will say that to the man's face. I will say (laughs) it to his face. If I ever get the chance to meet John Legend, my wife loves John Legend. Don't talk about John Legend like that. I'm like, I will talk about him however I want because he is the worst. And Cat Cat Williams is way worse. The guy used to come into the bar all the time. We almost had to get him, he almost, we almost had to, physically have the police come and remove Cat Williams from the bar because he was harassing a waitress, but he's screaming, I'm Cat Williams, I can do what I want. And our mm-hmm. bouncers are like, listen, you, we don't get paid enough to, mm-hmm. to restrain Cat Williams. So we had to call the cops, finally he left. I mean, it's, they're, they're bad dudes out there. They're, yeah. yeah. Would you have, what's oh. your favorite story in the reverse of like people who have oh. just been awesome to work with or like a really hilarious story that you love to tell at parties or whatever because of just how ridiculous fun it was well the coolest story that i have like you know mega celebrity wise is with david bowie so when i lived in new york in 2006 uh i was working out at a gym i was living in like the little literally a little italy area and um there was a gym it's no longer there unfortunately because that last time i was in new york i looked it's gone uh, it was called Synergy. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I think there was a couple locations around New York, but they might've just been bought up by like New York Racket Club or whatever. But so um, I became, but the guy that worked the front desk was literally out of Sopranos. He was like a 55 year old Italian guy that was like, listen, I live in this neighborhood 40 years and it's the only job I can get anymore. He's like, I was in there. I was in the can for a minute. He was an awesome guy. It was great. So I come in the one day and it's, it was quite, again, I was like sort of unemployed in New York. I was living off gambling winnings for a little while and then, you know, bartending and waiting tables. So I was like, I had my days free. So I'd go to the gym. So I walk in and he's, he's got this like grin on his face. He's like, guess who's here? I was like, who? And he's like, David Bowie. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. It's like, David Bowie doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> so 
he's in the gym and my buddy who's the head trainer is like working with him. Right. And so I'm over there and, and Paul was the main trainer, really good guy. And we are, we're watching, it's about the, the 2006 world cup is about to start. And I, and I love soccer, especially during the world cup. And so we're watching it and they had this guy on the English team whose name was Eric Crouch. And he did this like robot when he scored goals. And so I was like, Oh man, this guy's amazing. And I think Bowie heard me say it and he was like, Oh man, I love soccer. I'm like, yeah, me too. It's great. Like football. Like he calls it football, obviously. And so Paul's like, Oh yeah. And I was like, I'm a big England fan. Like, I root for England. I want England to win the world cup more than I want the United States. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I just love it. So, because I honestly think if the United States men were to win the world cup a week later, there would still be the same amount of people watching the MLS. That's just yeah. my thought yeah. on the whole thing. <laughs> and it's a shame because it's a beautiful game. Anyway. So Bowie says to Paul and me, he's like, oh, we should get together and watch the games. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> okay, sure. No, yeah, whatever. I'm thinking he's just like talking, whatever. <laughs> so he gives me and Paul his number and says, text me. I want to watch the games with you. And I'm like, does he, does David Bowie not have soccer friends? <laughs> so we go, I, we text David Bowie. And again, this is before iPhone. So you're like on separate like filler threads on a yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm, I'm living with my three roommates. I'm like, guys, I'm going to watch a soccer game with David Bowie. And they're like, take a picture. I was like, with what? My digital camera? No, I'm not taking a picture. So we meet David Bowie and we go to this bar and we, they played Sweden in the first game of that World Cup. And it's me, David Bowie and my buddy Paul. And we're sitting at the corner of this bar, okay? And David Bowie has a kind of like a hat pulled down. He doesn't drink anymore, but he was, he loved to watch us drink because he picked up our tab, no problem. Uh, and this, like the game was at, I don't know, noon on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And we got hammered. I mean, <laughs> well, the game ended up a 2-2 tie against Sweden. And so Bowie says, he's like, well, we didn't lose. So you got, we all watch it together again. And I was like, okay, sounds good. No big deal. So uh he got up to go to the bathroom and the bartender comes right over to me he's like hey can you answer a bet for the entire bar is that bowie is that david bowie and i was like yeah it's david bowie he's like what the fuck is he doing here he's like i don't know man don't jinx it just don't <laughs> let this happen and i got guys i gotta be honest with you, like i love david bowie's music I, i'm not like the big i mean obviously i like yacht rock and 80s rock and journey but I, I, obviously i get david bowie i love ziggy stardust but i love the movie labyrinth Okay. Mm -hmm. And anything that David Bowie has done performance wise, I mean, Zoolander, he makes that amazing, you know, cameo in. So go, we watch another game together. Then I see him at the gym a bunch of times. Then we're on a first name basis. Then he, then we invites us over for dinner. Then, then we like become buddies. I have to, I had his email. Then, then all of a sudden, one day we're in the gym and this is like, I, I tell him in the gym, I was like, Hey David, I'm moving to Los Angeles. He's like, ugh. That fucking shithole. Right? He does, <laughs> does not like Los Angeles. Not a fan of LA at all. <laughs> so he's like, I'm never going to see you again. You're going to be lost in the sun in the palm. Like he gave me this whole litany, right? So a couple of days later, we're in the gym, we're hanging out and I see him and uh, we're in the locker room and he's in front of the mirror. And he's like, I've got to tell you, I never like working out, but I got to tell you, I'm seeing some real changes. And I just go, ch -ch 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 changes. <laughs> and he just looks at me and he goes, fucking asshole <laughs> it was like my last interaction with david bowie yeah, he's great 
I don't think I've listened to a story ever that can top what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's my buddy. Yeah. I love that. I never. Wait, never- how did you never email him when you got to LA or anything? You just stopped talking to him. No, like I would send him an email, like maybe every few months, but he was like my dad. He never checked his yeah. email. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, my dad has an email. I know he's never checked it ever. Yeah. Like, um, he, uh, the, the really, you know, when he died, it was really sad. Um, yeah. And, but I was, I think it was, I was at the junket, or the red carpet for that World of Warcraft movie, which was um, directed by his son. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm on the red carpet and I, and I'm like, you know, uh, Collider is somewhere in the middle and, you know, whatever. And, Duncan Jones, I guess, was not doing a ton of interviews on the red carpet, and I didn't get the junket. And we were supposed to get him into Collider Live, but he never came in. Or maybe he was on an episode and I wasn't in town for that episode. It was kind of a bummer. And I didn't know what his relationship was like with his dad, because you never want to bring up like, hey, I was friends with your dad in New York, because maybe they, I don't know. I don't know, you know, family relationships are always very, very complicated. I'm lucky in the sense of like, I get along with my parents and I'm and my brother and I are best friends, right? And I get along with most everybody in my family except for that one cousin. No, I don't. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to, I just wanted to be like, Hey man, you know, losing, losing your dad was special to me because we were buddies in New York. I wanted to just say that to him. And, mm-hmm. but I never got, never really got the chance to it. And the funniest interaction was, so his publicist walked him out on the red carpet and I didn't know her, but I'd seen her before. And I was like, Hey, uh, can we get like one question with Duncan Jones? And she was like, Oh, he's not doing anything. It's like, I was actually friends with his dad. And she's like, okay. <laughs> you know what? That's the proper response. Yep, I get yeah. that. yep. That's how you should have responded to that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've been you've been doing this for you know uh, close to a decade now, and we we showed my uh, my girlfriend your your VR experiences because we ran out of scary movies for her to watch, and she just got a huge kick out of it. Now she's a mega fan of okay. you. But have yeah. you had any uh, like Josh Makuga fan moments? Oh yeah, we got a pretty funny one. Um, <laughs> so. Well, I mean, like it, it, I, it'll never get old of like something like, oh, I watch you. I, like, so I love that. So tell your, I'm glad your girlfriend enjoyed it. And um, the, uh, the, we, we just got fans bought us one of those Oculus things. So we're going to do some more scary stuff. Yes. So some oh. of that is coming back. We just put up the green screen. So we're going to, we're going to make sure that happens because people like that. I don't necessarily like that. <laughs> believe you really truly are a good person to like do that for the fans and for your friends like for entertainment really I think yeah you know like I said if I can put a smile on somebody's face that day even if it sends me to therapy or night terrors um, (laughs) and I don't know what our neighbors in the new building are gonna think because the walls aren't the walls are thinnish uh and I'm gonna go and like one like hey there will be some screaming we do this VR thing done anyway so Uh, anyway, so fan experience. So we're in Chicago and we're recording Mark Ellis's hour special, right? In Chicago at that that rock club. And Ken and I, in between the first set and the second set, we had a, like a fan meet and greet because we figured after the last set, Mark would be too tired. It would be really late. We'd probably be a little too intoxicated for fan interaction. Um, and so we did it in between. And so we're, and me and Ken are like, have a line of people that want to get pictures or whatever. And Mark has another line of pictures and they look like people are kind of going back and forth and we're signing stuff. It's amazing. I love all that stuff. I will take as much time. I come from that Arnold Palmer school of, you want a picture? Great. You want an autograph? Great. I will do whatever you want until everybody is satisfied. If I have the time, I will most definitely do it. And so we're in this line and this, this couple comes up and she, and she says, uh, 
it's me and Ken, we're standing there and, and the, I think they're married or maybe I think they're married. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, um, they're like, oh, we're such big fans. Like, oh, awesome. And she goes, you know, you're on my, um, my pass list or like, <laughs> pass. and Ken, Ken looks at me and then just walks away. And I was like, where are you, where are you going? And they're like, and then you start laughing. I was like, yeah, awesome. You guys want a picture? And then they like stood around for a minute. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna get to them. Thanks you, thank you guys so much for coming. And then Ken comes back he's like, how'd that go? And I was like, what are you fucking thinking? Wait, I go? I'm married. Her husband's standing there. I, th- I like, what, how am I supposed to react to that? Like, I don't like, Oh, cool. Like, so do I, do you, is there a, a hotel room? <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm, I'm throwing you on there that you're not on my hall pass list. So it, I think it takes two to tango. <laughs> and just so you know, if I was single, he's not in the room. I'm not letting that like, a <laughs> right. Not a, what about a little hole in the, in the door to pee? Yeah, through? we got to look for all holes. No pee hole, no pee holes. No, like I'm not going to some like, like, you know, Danny's motel off the 405 where there's like definitely some guy behind the walls looking at weird stuff. So yeah, that was probably the, the funniest oh interaction. Oh my Lord. Ken and I talk about it often. But, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't have a full on Garth moment when Ken walked away. Just, Ken! <laughs> I think I did. Like, I, I mean, flustered to say the least. And it's not like, I just, I needed some support, Ken, because Ken would have been like, great, okay, awesome, yeah, am I on your hall pass? Like, maybe like a little repartee. Yeah. But, yeah, we got nothing, so there I was. Oh, my God. I'm getting goosebumps. That's so awkward. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> just yeah. awkward. <laughs> well, uh, as we're uh, as we're wrapping up, we don't want to take too much of your day, because, you know, you're, you're a busy guy, and you took, you know, time out of your weekend morning to join us, so we really appreciate it, but... Um, okay. We do, you know, you, I think you've given a lot of advice so far, but do you have any advice for those looking to, you know, enter the industry or essentially do, do anything arts related that you can pass on? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think the, the age old ad, like, if you can dream it, you can do it is a little too broad because like my dream is to play on the PGA tour and that's not happening. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's, it's, if you work hard, and you set your expectations realistically and you keep accomplishing goals, write stuff down, you know, look at goals. And I'm not saying like, don't dream and don't, because I'm living a, a wild fantasy dream. I understand that. I mean, hell, my dream was to succeed Alex Trebek and, you know, who knows if maybe I'll succeed Ken Jennings or whatever other celebrities are getting to host that show. Um, but, you know, if you, if you enjoy what you're doing and people are enjoying what you're doing, I think is the most important part. And like that teacher told me in college, if you're not booking, you're not working. So yeah. um, if you're not, try and make something of your own and do it. Just keep and keep doing it. Because doing with something once is, you know, but if you keep doing it and more people are watching, like, hey, you start with 10, then you go to 15, 15 goes to 30, 30 goes to 60. If people are doing it, people are enjoying it and people are watching or listening, whatever you want to do, then you're doing something right. Um, and make sure what you're doing when you're doing it is good. <laughs> Find the good, right? Make sure that when you're when you're chasing it, you're chasing it for the right reasons. You put that on a plaque. <laughs> <laughs> All of it, the whole thing. <laughs> it, good. it was a long way of saying 
I'm, I'm bad at advice. I can talk my way into the, the correct amount of advice, but if you gave me 30 seconds, I would fail that test. Yeah. You know, it, it, it came off perfectly. 30 seconds is all we need. Wait, <laughs> hold on. I'll take that back. <laughs> Steph, are you okay over there? No, happened? I lost all sound. Sorry. Oh, I can't no. hear you guys, but do you want to, do you want to come over and share an earbud? No, hold on. I'm going to try one other thing. We can hear you. No. Yeah, now I can hear you. Okay, great. Okay, that helps. Yeah, sorry. I was like, well, that went kaput. Hope it's, <laughs> like, hope, like, they're, yeah, hope they're having a fun like, conversation. <laughs> Steph just gets up and leaves. I'm like, cool, yep. cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you can see his <laughs> eyes were darting across the screen. Like, uh, uh, I was okay. like, eh, and now how do I do this gracefully? I don't. I don't do it gracefully. I'm just going to leave now. <laughs> Grace is overrated. Grace is overrated. <laughs> What I miss? What what brilliant advice did you share? <laughs> Josh, if you want to take that from the top. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Josh gave uh, gave wonderful advice to our listeners. I love it. Or as uh, what what he's learned and what he wants to pass on to others. Do you do you have Amazing. other questions you want to you want to ask? No, I'm, I, I I thoroughly appreciate the time you've you've given us. I will hold on to that David Bowie story forever. I'm glad at least I heard all of that. <laughs> I mean, if there's anything you can learn from that story is go to the gym and look around. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) That's it. I'll leave you with this real quick, funny story from that same gym is I I went there early one morning to get a workout before as I was, I was working at a production company. I got this job when I was leaving New York and I had to be there really early. So I realized when I got off work, I can never get to the gym. So I went to the gym really, really early, which I never did. And I go in there and the only other person in the gym at that time, and the treadmill is going at full tilt, is Lenny Kravitz in full, a purple like jumpsuit, basically, like a purple velvet attire with boots on and a purse and a gigantic beanie cap. Like it was huge. And he's running at full tilt. I'm like, he must be training for like a stage show or something. Yeah. That's I mean, it, insane. It was, yeah, it was. Oh, and sunglasses. And he had sunglasses on. on the top. Of course he does. <laughs> That's and I got to be honest with you, like I stood there for like a solid 10 seconds, like awkwardly looking at him like. <laughs> no, okay, one, it's Lenny Kravitz, but also that can't be a good workout outfit. Right. <laughs> I also, I'm just so shocked that like there are celebrities that will go to a local pedestrian gym to work out like you would think that they would all have the mark Wahlberg set up with their own fucking i mean the rock brings a tent yeah brings like a circus tent full of weights everywhere you, go. <laughs> you don't see the rock at la fitness on a no. <laughs> oh my gosh it's only oh. a matter of time yeah. Something I'll get sick of that. Like, hey, what's going on? Planet yeah. Fitness, turn off the alarm. It's a shame that The Rock hasn't opened up his own gym just called The Rock, and it's right. a building shaped like a rock, and then you go inside and you have to just climb rocks. Like, that just would be amazing. Keep going, just build on the rock thing. All the weights are shaped like rocks. All right, yep. All rock <laughs> they music. are rocks. Just yeah, different. they are rocks. Yep. rocks. <laughs> it's rock music playing in the background. Fraggle Rock is on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I would go to this gym. I would go to we that. All would. Yep. Yep. You see the rock on a treadmill and boots and sunglasses. <laughs> and like, so it's 160 a month. I can only yeah. come twice a week. Oh, cool. Okay, That's great. Time to do it. it. How much was the last Hobbs and Shaw movie? Sure. Uh. <laughs> do you uh, do you have anything you want to promote? 
Yeah. Before we close, just go to the GPA, uh, the Good mm-hmm. People Association on YouTube, on Twitch, uh, at Good People GPA across social medias. The GPA.fun is our website. You can join uh, the association. And then uh, at Josh McCuga, Twitter and Instagram, I post everything there, mostly awesome. dad jokes. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I, I want to start every Sunday morning like this. <laughs> You can start every morning with me on the positivity report. That's true. Yeah. That is true. And that I will have to do now. Yeah. Uh, but, well, yeah. And well, listeners. This is a blast. Thank you thank very you. much. Good yeah. luck with everything. And, you know, happy to do it again whenever. You guys were great. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We have uh, one last thing before we uh, we sign off. Uh, Steph, you made me do this, this shout out um, last time. So I, you're going to have to do it because I can't remember the, the verbiage. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, sorry. Yes, our, our wrap up. Uh, I know I switched it up. Usually I do one part and Tyler does the other and I'm, I screwed with it last time. Um, listeners, please continue to like, subscribe, rate and review us on all podcast platforms. Um, if you give us a five star review and leave us a nice rating, we'd be happy to send you a free sticker. Um, just send us an email with your address or whatever address you'd like us to send the sticker to and where you rated and reviewed us. Please also continue to follow us on our social media. We are at PWRP podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and if you have spare change, like so many of us don't, um, <laughs> and you want to support us um, on our Patreon, um, you can check us out up there and we have some some small uh, things for you for now, but hopefully we will uh, continue to expand and grow and, and have a lot more fun incentives and things for you guys. So um, yeah. Yes. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast and share your story as a member of the arts community or somebody who's just trying to get in, you want to share your story, then please email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. We'll get back to you in about two minutes because we are both very underemployed and have uh, nothing else to do. Cobra Kai season three or season four is uh, not up yet. Way too far away. We're completely free. (laughs) Uh, But Josh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, we end every episode with an awkward goodbye. So if you would like to join us, yeah, we'd love to have you. <laughs> He's Ready? got his awkward face on already. Bye. 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 Bye.